All right. Well, good morning, everyone. So good. As Tyler said, to be back. Um, I had the privilege of being on the West Coast um, and uh, ministering at a, a church there, a friend of mine, Wellhouse Church. Jerry uh, leads it with his wife, Lois. Uh, great church. I had an opportunity to meet with their elders and do some instruction and their staff and uh, just to encourage them into what God has for them. Every time I go, I always go, there's two things that have to happen. One, it's got to snow. I just like snow. And uh, it's not my house, so I don't have to shovel or drive in it or anything like that. But uh, beautiful snow, except like four inches one morning. It was great. And the second thing is they have this huge herd of elk. It's like 500 elk. And I just think it's amazing to go and to watch these elk. And uh, we actually had to go looking for them this time. And uh, it was near one of the last days we were driving down a road that we took a different way and we looked back and, and there they were, just majestic, huge animals. And we just pulled over and watched them for a little while. And so uh, it was after our time where I got to speak and everything. So it was like, well, my time's up. Tyler said, come back at some point. So I've seen the two things I wanna see. I'm just kidding, but uh, time, to, time to head back. But we really did have a, a great time. Um, I've known Jerry and Lois for 30 years now. And uh, Jerry and I got to do ministry together when we did high school and junior high together. And yes, we, we milked the Tom and Jerry thing as much as we could. <laughs> Seriously, probably too much. Uh, but it was a great time, good time of ministering. So for those of you that prayed and, and participated in some way, really, really appreciate it. It was a great time. So today I, I'm excited to talk to you guys and share with you. Um, we're going to be talking about, I'm be talking about the power of community. And I think it's fitting that I get to do this on a day, uh, I'm going to use football analogy because the Super Bowl is today. And uh, yeah, so whatever team you're rooting for, if your team didn't make it, that's okay. Community has a way of showing itself in many, many, many different ways. And so today I want to talk about that. I want to talk about the power of community, what we can expect and receive in community and how the Lord designed it to be like that. But it, it can come in many different ways. It can come in church and small groups and other gatherings. It's, it's where we share commonalities and it, it brings community together. Um, my first football game I ever went to, I was born and raised in California, so the first football game I ever went to was to go see the San Francisco 49ers. Who happened to be in the Super Bowl today? And uh, I remember, <laughs> I remember the first time I went. It was when they were playing in Candlestick Park. Uh, one of the gentlemen in our uh, church had season tickets, and he said, "Tom, you want to go to a Niners game?" I said, "Yeah, that'd be great." Happened to be a Monday night football, so I felt like, "Gosh, this is special. This is amazing. Get to go." And I said, "What time are we going to leave?" And he said, "We'll leave around noon." I was like, "Noon." Isn't it an evening game? He goes, oh yeah, it's an evening game, but we want to get there. And I was like, wow, I don't know what route you're taking to Candlestick, but that's a long drive. If we have to leave seven hours in advance, he goes, oh no, we go and we tailgate and we cook food and do this whole thing. And I'm like, tailgate? And I had never experienced this. And he goes, yeah, it's going to be great. You got to come. So we left at noon and uh, we drove out there. And I remember arriving probably like an hour and a half later and the place was packed with cars. And I thought, maybe the game starts, so what time did you say the game starts? Oh, it starts at seven. I was like, this is crazy. So we get in there and it's just everyone sitting on their, um, how many of you guys have experienced tailgating at, a, a, yeah, at anything? It was, it was this incredible community 
that the commonality was that everyone was cheering for the 49ers. And so we opened the back of the tailgate and he pulled out a little grill and we started talking and then people were like, hey, Craig, how's it going? Oh, it's good to see you. How's And they, they like knew each other. And I, I was amazed by this. We'd walk down to go get concessions or a drink or something. And people would gather and, hey, you got to check some. I made a comment. That smells good. He goes, come here and have one. I'm like, I don't even know who you are. You know, but that sure smells good, you know. And there was just this community. I also realized that if you weren't wearing a Niner jersey and you happened to walk through this community, like if you happened to be wearing the team that they were playing, the Green Bay Packers, if you happened to be wearing that jersey, the community was a little different. (laughs) It was kind of like, hey, you're in the wrong community, buddy. Can we either sell you a jersey or you just keep walking, you know? But the the camaraderie and the cheering, and you were high-fiving people you didn't even know when things would happen. Just everyone's high-fiving each other and having a great time. And I think that's because we were created for community. It was God's intent from the beginning that we would never go this journey alone. And that we were created for this amazing community. And so I want to take us back just a moment to look at God's plan from the beginning about community. So in Genesis 2, verses 18 through 20, this is what it says. It says, the Lord God said, it's not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Stop there for a moment. We were never intended to be on this journey. At the very beginning, he goes, I don't want man to be alone. And we know he's talking about Eve and creating Eve and the two of them coming together in marriage, which is a community as well. And family is a community and church is a community and small groups are community. But from the very get-go, it was never God's intent that we would go it alone. So picking up verse 19, it says, Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the wild animals and all the birds in the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds of the air, and all the wild animals. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. I find this amazing in two, two, two parts. One, God creates the animals, and then he goes, Adam, why don't you name them? And God wants to see what Adam's going to name them. Just it's the beauty of the relationship that they had. We know the ones that were named last, like ant eater. After a bunch of animals, you're looking at them going, I don't know what I'm going to call this one. You just ate an ant. Ant eater. <laughs> a side note, you ever thought about some of the names? Giraffe. How did he come out with that? Why not long neck beast or something like that? But that's why Adam got to name him and not me. But I love how this ends with saying, but for Adam, no suitable helper was found. There was something greater that God had in store for him. Verse 21, so the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's rib and then closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made woman from the rib he had taken out of the man and he brought her to the man. Now I'm gonna read any further, but it's, it's funny to me and it's amazing the response that Adam has when God presents woman. Because he says, whoa, now this is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. There's this anticipation like this is what I've been looking for. When I've been looking at these animals and thinking of the camaraderie they have and the things that they do together and species and all this stuff, there was something missing. And now I know what it was. It was woman. Adam's response that shows us the importance of togetherness in God's design. And this is what I want to be talking about today when we talk about community. 
It can be easy sometimes to get trapped in situations and circumstances and hurts and frustrations and to pull back from community. But the best place we can be when there's trouble or hardship, the best place we can be when there's joy and excitement and celebration is in community together with one another. The most common expression of community that we see is in Acts 2, 42 through 47, which many of you, I'm sure you know. It says that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, speaking of the early church, and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. And everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to one another who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. It's an amazing picture of togetherness. They took care of one another. I love this picture because community is inviting You know, every time we come to a place where we're looking for a church or the Lord's leading us or we move or something like that, you find yourself going into a church or a a community like this going, are my people here? Can I connect here? Can I find friends here? Can Can I find community like this? It's an amazing expression of community. So today I want to look as a, as a convincing truth. In two weeks, well, next week and the week after, we're going to be signing up for journey groups. And journey groups is an opportunity that we offer at Northlands for you to connect in community. For you to join a group somewhere where you live with a topic and finding commonalities so that we can run this race together that's marked out for us. And I think it's important. So I want to look at three things this morning that make community powerful. Sound good? All right. So number one, if you're taking notes, write down the word clarity. Clarity. There is an amazing clarity that comes when when we're in community. See, our lens, the way we see things, can be shaped by multiple things, by circumstances, hardship, trial, uh, victory, all kinds of things, lens being the thing that we see through. But I think more than anything, our lens can be affected by the community in which we walk in. See, when I was moving to Atlanta, we were leading a church in Texas, and the Lord began to speak to us about moving here to Atlanta. And in the process of moving to Atlanta, when we wanted to see if this is really what the Lord had called us to, the first thing we did is we reached out to some of the community that we had. It was people that we had fought with and cried with and laughed with and people that knew us and we knew them and we reached out to them and said, hey, would you join us in praying for the clarity on this situation? Because I didn't want to just go, hey, moving sounds fun. Let's go, kids. And we just move somewhere and we go, where are we? I go, I don't know. I thought this was the way to Atlanta. Well, why does that sign say, welcome to New Mexico? I don't know. We needed some clarity. We needed someone to step in with us on the journey to be able to give insight in what they felt. Sometimes we can be so close into the situation that it makes it difficult to see clearly. And I think that's one of the powers and the beauty of community. God puts us in connection with others so that we can have a clear lens and see in the way that he intended us to see. So listen to this as a great example of this clarity in Acts 13, 
verses one through three, says, now the church in Antioch where there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, Elisha, Menea, and Saul, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. I love this expression of clarity that takes place in the early church in Antioch. Because the first thing, verse 1, tells us that there was a good pool of a different kind of people. See, if, if we all watched the Super Bowl today and there was a play at the very end that, that decided the outcome of who won and who lost, we would all have a different perspective on why it was. Oh, it was the referees because he didn't throw the flag. Oh, it wasn't the referees. It was the guy who didn't tackle. Oh, it was the quarterback. I can throw better than him. I know it was a stretch, but you can go with me. <laughs> we all might have a different view of what it is that takes place. And I love the beauty of the camaraderie and the pool of different kind of people that are existing here to help bring about a truth that God wants to do. Verse two, he talked, they, they were doing what they do. They were worshiping and they were praying. They were doing the things that they do normally. And then the Holy Spirit speaks to them. You know, I've often thought about this. It probably came across something like this as they were worshiping and they were praying. Someone said, man, I feel like the Holy Spirit saying there's somebody that the Lord wants to set aside for a purpose. And somebody else said, you know, I felt the same thing. I, I think it might be Barnabas. And someone said, yeah, and, and Saul. And this word began to come about by the community bringing clarity. And then they said, hey, this is what we feel like the Holy Spirit's saying. They didn't just say, so go right then. So they continued to fast and pray. And after that, it said they placed their hands on them and they sent them on their way. Clarity is a powerful thing. When we're going through hard time is when you need community the most. Good community, community that will remind you how to look at a situation. So this is what I feel happens. The community you're with, listen to these three statements. The community you're with will affect your lens. The people I hang out with, the people I allow myself to be sharpened, the people that I run and grow with, they're gonna affect my lens. I wear a pair of glasses and if I touch them with my hands, it starts to look foggy. And I start to think, wow, why is there fog going on outside or whatever it is? Or they could get dirty or fingerprinted or whatever. But the lens in which we see gets affected by the community that we're with, good and bad. But in the good way, it helps us through difficulties, circumstances. There have been many times in my life where I'm so grateful for the community around me to help adjust my lens to what is true. Anybody say amen to that? And we need that, and that happens best in community. So it's the community that will affect your lens, and lens you look through will determine what you see. Sometimes I've been in situations where it seems so difficult and dark, I can't see my way out of a small little closet. And I need someone to remind me of who God is and what he said. And it's community that helps me do that. But the difficulty sometimes is community requires me to be a little vulnerable, a little, a little transparent. 
I have to ask for things. Hey guys, I need prayer for this. Or can you guys stand with me because I'm believing for this. But that's the beauty of community. Because at some point, at some part down the road, you'll find yourself in a place where you'll, you'll see that you need brothers and sisters around you. You'll need a community. The lens we look through is gonna determine what we see and ultimately what you see is gonna affect what you believe. And so if this is true, which I believe it is, then it's so important for me to connect with community and to receive and to give both when I need and to extend out when I can be the person to share and to encourage and to uplift and strengthen others. Because both is what's needed in the place of community. There's this really cool song, and I don't know the name of it, but it says it may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. We've sung that before. Man, what a powerful song. Why? Because it makes an adjustment on my lens and reminds me that though it looks like I'm surrounded, I'm reminded of the truth that actually I'm surrounded by him. And all of a sudden, the surrounding of me isn't as big and bad as it is because I serve someone who's bigger and batter, right? That's what makes that song so powerful. That's what makes the prophetic ministry so powerful because there's something that happens within our spirit. There's something the Holy Spirit does to launch us forward into the truth that he has regardless of the circumstance or the hardship or whatever it is we're facing. And it makes so much sense when we realize we were never meant to run this race alone. Amen? Amen? So clarity is huge. And I think that's one of the powers of community. Number two, let's talk about calling. It's another aspect of the power of community is calling. My whole life has been inspired and shaped by those I have community with. Now it's in connection with the Holy Spirit, but the Lord uses people like you and I it, even recently, I, as I said, I was in Oregon and the Lord gave me some prophetic words for some people. Some of the people I didn't know, it was just names and then the Lord would express, this is what I'm doing in your life or this is what I wanna do. And he gave me the opportunity to share prophetic words over the whole church. There's something that happens that gets inspired and all I did was say, Lord, what do you wanna speak and what do you wanna do? The Lord gave me an amazing uh, word for Wellhouse this last week, and it just came in a time of worship as all of the staff was worshiping together, and I was getting ready to teach on some leadership development. They invited me into their community. It was about 12 people. We were sitting there, and all of a sudden, the Lord reminded me of a passage, and I, I felt the unction of the Lord going, hey, I'm gonna have you share this with them. So I read it real quick, and it blew me away of how clear it was to where the season they were in and what they were facing. And it became a word of encouragement that though these seasons have been like this, now I'm giving you room and I'm gonna bless you and give you favor. It's amazing. And I hope that what it did is it brought encouragement and it brought life. It brought that readjustment. There's a story in scripture where it talks about Elijah and his servant. And his servant goes outside the tent and he looks and he's fully surrounded by an army. Massive army. And he runs back in and tells Elijah, he says, oh my gosh, we're surrounded, we're gonna die, this is my paraphrase, right? This is horrible. And he prays, Lord, open his eyes. 
And so the servant looks around and he sees the armies of the living God who have encircled that army that has surrounded them. For me, it brings to life this song that I talked about. And then the Lord brings them through in a mighty way in that story by blinding the army. Our calling, who we are, what we're to be about, the path that God has us on is greatly affected through community in a good way. Even Roman 12, four through five says this, for just as each one of us, or excuse me, just as each one of us has one body with many members and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ, though many form one body and each member belongs to all the others. You know, when, anytime I read this passage, I think of my body and how each part of my body has a specific function, but it's meant to work with the whole of the rest. And even though you are a part of the body, a specific piece, it says we belong to all the others. Again, the importance of community to realize we belong to one another. We're here to strengthen one another, encourage one another, help, shape, mold, encourage, cheer on. We're called to call one another into the gifting and the purpose that God has on our life. Reminding who we are and whose we are and what we're empowered to do. You know, when I think back over my life and how I got to the place where I'm at today, it's funny how we get glimpses along the way. So I remember when I went to college to be a youth pastor and I signed up, I went in and was talking to the dean and they said, well, actually you're, you're signing up to be a pastor. I was like, oh no, I'm not. No, 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 I don't wanna be a pastor. I just wanna be a youth pastor. And that's like, yeah, that's a pastor of youth. And I was like, yeah, but I don't, there's, I don't wanna be, I'm gonna be a pastor of youth forever. And he's like, when you're 80 years old? I'm like, yeah. What's wrong with that? Because all the Lord was showing me at the time is right now, this is where I want you to be and go. And this is what I want for you to do. And then over time, as things changed and the Lord spoke and showed me new things that grew and I started to step into the very thing that was spoken over me a long time ago. I remember a season where people started to go, hey, do you know that you're gonna plant a church? I was like, bite your tongue. That's hard work, I'm not gonna do that. And then another person come up, man, I feel like the Lord's saying, I'm like, Shh. maybe if I keep everyone from saying it, it's not gonna happen. So the Lord spoke before what was going on and then the, it came within me. I remember before I planted a church in Texas, we went to help some people with Katrina and we were helping churches put back together and we got stuck through another hurricane, Rita, that came through and we were in a hotel with 400 people that had evacuated from Louisiana and I remember standing there and we were praying with people as their houses got barraged again through Rita. And, and I said, wow, we could plant a church right here and right now. Because all these people needed, when we left, they lined the hallways all the way out to our vans and crying said thank you and cheered us on because of the impact that we had on their lives. We had worship times and prayed with people and saw them give their life to Christ. Amazing ministry came out. When we got back, the coalition of pastors, we pulled together and we go, man, we, we, someone needs to plant a church. And one of the guys said, hey, that's me. I feel like it's me. And I started feeling that unction, but because I'd spent so much time pushing aside the word, I, I let him say, I'll do it. And then a couple hours later, our senior leader pulled me in a room and he said, do you think it's, it's that guy? And I said, no. 
And he goes, yeah, I don't either. Do you realize how many times you said you could live in Katy, Texas and you, would, you could see yourself planning a church? I was like, I don't remember ever saying that. <laughs> and I went home and talked to my wife and we had a discussion and realized the very things that had been being spoken was now gonna come to fruition. Two months later, we moved to Katy, Texas and planted a church. See, the Lord gives us a little bit. Can you, I, I used to think this would be so cool. Can you imagine the Lord said, all right, Tom, sit down. You're 18 years old. Let me tell you what it's going to be like from now until you're 93. <laughs> and he just lays the whole thing out. Trouble, hardship, success, wonderful things, hardship. I'd be like, whoa, whoa. What did you say about this back here? Wait, time out. Let's go back. No, I got to finish. And then when you're 70, no, no, no. You said when I was 24. This, isn't that how we would be? It's the kindness of the Lord. That he goes, hey, this is what I have for you right now. This is what I got in front of you. That's the kindness of the Lord. We would be fully overwhelmed. I think if the Lord and I had that conversation, what the Lord would see is this. (laughs) Right? It's too much. So he puts us in community because he loves to use the body to accomplish what he wants to accomplish. He doesn't want to do it just through one person. He wants to do it through a community. You can find all through scripture, calling and purpose and direction that people receive, disciples and whatever it is, and it's always pulled out through community and and forged through community and strengthened in community because it's so necessary. It's no wonder why the enemy tries over time to try to split us up, to divide us and separate us from community because then I'm left to the unholy trinity, me, myself, and I. That's a scary place to be. I'm telling you right now, when I'm left to myself with me, myself, and I, we have some crazy conversations. I'm serious. You you do the same thing. When it was a tough situation in Texas, and uh, we had gone through some stuff, and I thought, yeah, I think ministry has come to a close. I'm done. Babe, I think ministry is done. I think we should walk away. She goes, what do we do? I go, let's raise cattle. Do you know why I picked cattle? So what everyone else does in Texas. That's where I was. I was like, yeah, Texas cattle sounds good. So I started to go, let's drive around and look at some ranches. I just felt like the Holy Spirit was laughing the whole time. You, go ahead, Tom, go ahead. Whatever you need to go check out. I was trying to run because it was painful. It was hard. And the community that we were facing had been pulled apart and it, was, it wasn't fun. I remember a specific time when, when I, I just met Greg and Michelle. I came here. Uh, they didn't know me. I didn't know them. And they gave me some, Michelle gave me this powerful prophetic word. I didn't like it at the time. It was very powerful. She said, like, you clean a garage, it's going to get a little messier before it gets organized. I didn't know whether to go, thank you, or what? <laughs> and when I went back, it got really messy. But if it wasn't for that word, if it wasn't for that encouragement, I would have, I don't know what I would have done in this season, but it wouldn't have been good. But because it was spoken before, it gave me the ability to go, okay, I got to hang on. I got to do what I know the Lord's called me to do. Our calling, our purpose is shaped by the community we're in. If you're, if you're like, I don't really know what my calling is, get in community. You're going to find out. Get in community. And then the third one is confidence. Power in community is confidence. 
Because in community, we experience growth and understanding. Our faith is built. Hebrews 10, 24 says this, and let us consider how we can spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another in all the more as you see the day approaching. And if I can encourage you with anything, it would be this, be purposeful in community. Don't neglect it, it's so important. And our lives can get so busy that that becomes the thing we put on the back burner, but it's the thing that brings life. It's the thing that shapes and molds us. I'm always so encouraged and, and blown away when the Lord chooses to use somebody else to speak a prophetic word into my life. So much that it brought me to a place of going, Lord, that's been so powerful. Use me in like fashion. I want to be one that gives prophetic words to people and encourage them. Help me grow in that gift. Best expressed through community. Let us consider how we can spur one another on. Guys, this world and our lives can sometimes have a, a tremendous amount of trouble out there and the things we encounter and the things that we go through. We need each other to spur us on. We need each other. And you know what? I'm just gonna tell you this. I'm glad you're all sitting down when I say this. We're not all perfect. Sometimes we're not gonna do community well. Sometimes we're gonna offend each other by things we say without realizing it. Sometimes we're gonna go through hurtful things. But all of those things don't take away the importance and the power that we experience through community. We have to somehow move through those and get through those. We have to have the conversations that may be difficult. We have to be vulnerable and open before one another, transparent. And I can tell you that it's not the easiest thing to do. But I find that as soon as one person does, everyone begins to. And that is when you start to build lifelong friendships. You know, I, I mentioned this week I was with Jerry, 30 years of ministry, and I'm, I'm telling you, we can take off, roll our shirt up and go, remember this scar? And he's gonna go, yeah, I got one too. There's things where we fought together. We've, we've beat giants together. We've warred together. We've cried together. We've prayed together. We've sobbed together. We've had victory together. We saw hundreds of kids come to Christ. We saw us almost get fired because a hundred kids come to Christ. I mean, just this mess of stuff, but we experience life and community together. And so that's why it's 30 years later. I'm still traveling and we're connecting and doing community. See, community expresses itself in so many ways. And, and I'll be honest, I've even heard people go, man, I'm looking for friends. I'm, I want like beyond just church and beyond just journey groups, just I want friends. And I go, praise God, we all need those. So plug in to where you can look and find friends. Because friends happen over time. It takes, it takes a while. As I get older, I realize some of the closest friendships I have is because we've got similar battle scars. We fought together. We've been together for a long time. So I want to close with this today. Because of the importance of community and because of what God wants to do in your life personally and use you to propel other people in their lives, I want to implore you, I want to encourage you, connect in a journey group. Find the time. Connect with people. Find one that works. 
You know, we have done our best to put them all over the city because the one thing I've realized, being in Oregon up near the mountains, there was like no traffic. Two cars at a stoplight was like, whoa. Traffic here is crazy. So we try to put them all over the city because we know it would be difficult to go from one end to the other midweek. And I would say this, if you're really looking for something and you're going, gosh, I wish we had a study on this, the next journey group go around, consider leading one. Because the more we have, the more opportunity we have to sharpen and strengthen each other in the journey we have. 